it's very simple, right? Uh, you open the app and uh, if it's streets traffic, you select that category. Then if it's a platform, right? It's a bigger than three by three. Yes. You take a photo and you submit. It's actually wow. less than 20 seconds to do all of that. It goes right to government. They get notified. It goes right directly to the city government. And uh, we're automating the process by introducing AI so that also in the back end, the issue is identified and delegated to the right department. Welcome to the Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. This is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and performance coach. Every year, Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world. And each week, I bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, to entrepreneurs with companies like DoorDash, Instagram, and YouTube, you're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. Today we have a very special guest. He's worked at the U.S. Senate White House USTR, driven by his passion for technology and civic engagement. In 2017, he co-founded Iris, formerly known as City Flag that developed the first ever social network for 311 services, which is customer service for government, which allows residents to easily report issues to local government. He graduated from the University of Texas at Austin. Please welcome Beto. Very excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much, Phil. And uh, congratulations uh, on the work that you're doing on this podcast. Uh, by the way, I, I'm a big fan of Phil and everything that he does. When he talks about, you know, when we talk about community building, one person that knows how to do that is Phil in, in every aspect. So uh, I'm glad that you're doing this. It's not only you know helpful for the community of Forbes, but I think this is really helpful for all entrepreneurs out there that are trying to uh, learn about what other young entrepreneurs are doing to uh, move forward in their careers. Thank you. That means a lot. And that's exactly the idea. I mean, we were just talking about before we, we hit the record, but we we're talking about how amazing this community is uh, in Forbes. And we were such a close knit community. We actually just had a reunion this past yeah, weekend yeah. together uh, after our two year trip in uh, Israel. And uh, we were just talking about how amazing this community can be at driving impact when we all come together around a common idea or cause. We just raised over 40,000 euros for a small hospital in Italy uh, because one of our Forbes 30 under 30 members had been close by. She's a doctor and, and really needed help there. And so just coming together with one simple idea, it sparked the energy and I love that about our community. That's right, that's right. So. Beto, walk us back to where you found out when you made the list, when you made the Forbes list, you know, where were you? Take us back to that moment. What do you remember about that moment when you first That's made the question. list? That's a great question. That's a great question. You know, uh, I get that question sometimes. And, and I think it's, I mean, everyone remembers, right? <laughs> it's a pivotal moment. Yeah, yeah, everybody remembers where they were. And, and I was actually... Um, I was going out for, for I was going out for a jog, and I was uh, I was actually visiting my parents. So I was in, in South Texas, in uh, Mission, Texas. It's a small small town on the border side of, of the U.S. And uh, it's a beautiful you know neighborhood called Cimarron, and that's where I grew up. And 
you know, I was running around, you know, and it just, you know, running and the weather was beautiful. And, and I remember uh, I got a bunch of texts too, and it was just people telling me, hey, congrats, congrats on the forces. And I was like, what, wait, what? And so I, I, I log in and I check the social entrepreneurs category and I see uh, my face there, you know, my photo. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my, my, my last name starts with an A. So I was like on the top, you know, uh, line, right? And, and, and I was just so excited, you know? And, and I remember telling, you know, I, I, got, I got home and the first person I told was my mother, right? And she just got so excited. We were just like so, so happy about it. And, and it's funny because uh, I didn't know that we had, I, that I had made it to the list because I didn't get an email or anything from Forbes letting me know that, that I had made it to, I made the cut to the, to the list. I did get a, like a, you know, a couple of diligence questions, you know, about, you know, what, what we do at my company, et cetera. Uh, like, uh, maybe like a month before. And so I remember that I was already maybe as a, a semifinalist, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. Right. But I, they didn't let us know. Well, at least they didn't let me know that I was on the list. Right. So it was since I found out like just everyone else. Right. And so it was a, quite a surprise, but it was, it was a, definitely a, a, a changing, uh, a life changing experience that I, that I'm very thankful for. Yeah. We, we all remember that moment. It's such an impactful moment. I had a similar experience I've already shared in a previous episode, so I won't uh, bore the audience again, but I was, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just let you know, I found out via Facebook from a professor who said, go look on Facebook right now. <laughs> and people had tagged me. And that's how I found out. <laughs> Very cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so no, no, it, was, it was fun. It's been a crazy time right now, as you know, with COVID and, and this time of being quarantined, what's been your go-to hack? to get the most out of this time? What's something you or, or even your team is doing right now to play offense rather than defense? Definitely. So, so I think that's a good question. Uh, and sometimes, you know, as, as young entrepreneurs, uh, we shy away from being uh, vulnerable, right? We don't want to be, uh, you know, we, we don't want to look weak or, you know, or, or look, in, like we're experiencing challenging times, but the reality is that everyone right now is, is going through a hard time. Uh, and it's not easy. It's not easy for any entrepreneur to, to say, Hey, look, you know, these are my, my, this is, this is what I do to stay productive when, when so much chaos is going, going on. But I think your question about hacks is extremely important because you have to find your way, you know, in the middle of, of all this chaos. Right. And, when this COVID situation happened, when it started, I remember I was experiencing uh, so much anxiety, right? I was, it was so, there was so much uncertainty. Uh, Phil and I are in you know, several groups on WhatsApp with other you know, Forbes members uh, from around the world. And, and everyone, you remember that, right, Phil? Everybody was commenting about it, right? Everybody was trying to Every day. You know, find uh, an idea, solution, you know, uh, data. And so just like that, those groups, you know, everyone around me was just talking about it, right, too, as well. So, so it, was, it was chaotic. And I guess I, I, at one point, I, I took the whole situation personal, right? I was, I was angry. I don't know. I was trying to channel my, my, my anger towards, you know, like the responsiveness from, from you know, government or, or you know, uh, responsible, you know, actors in the, in the medium. But the reality was that, you know, nobody has, has dealt with a pandemic before. Uh, even when I talked to my grandmother about it, you know, she's uh, over 80 years old and she has never gone through a pandemic, right? 
So all the leaders that we have today are going through the same, same situation, right? I mean, and so why was I angry at them, right? And the reality is because uh, I was I was feeling anxious and I was and there was, it was an uncertain moment for me, right? Just like a lot of folks out there, right? And so I took on Twitter and I was tweeting all these tweets and trying to to find my way through there. But you know, one one hack that really helped me, you know, be be grounded and to understand that, you know, this this will be soon, you know, at some time it will be over, sorry, at some point was uh, being present, right? So my number one hack, if, if you ask me today, what has been your number one hack in during the pandemic is to be present, mm. to really, uh, you know, understand your, 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 that your presence matters to others as well, right? And to not get caught up just being on digital meetings all the time. Because the reality is that the more we spend indoors, the more time we spend indoors, the more time that you know we're gonna be spending on our phones, on our computers, on Netflix. I mean, it's, it's the typical, it's normal, right? I mean, we're humans. But you gotta be present. You gotta be present for others. You gotta be present for yourself, right? So taking, taking a break, taking a break from all these digital mediums has really helped me. Uh, and of you course, do like you know, a digital, you do like a digital detox. Like how do you specifically remain present? Do you meditate? Do you go outside? Do you do a digital definitely. detox? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the first thing I do when I wake up is, you know, I, I meditate and I try to do it as much as I can. Sometimes my, my routine doesn't allow me to do that. Right. Uh, but you know, the first thing I do is, is wake up, not look at my phone. You know, like seriously, like not look at your phone because the moment you, you wake up and you, you start your phone, your phone screen, I mean, your day is going to change dramatically because you're starting your day off reactive rather than yeah, proactive. Exactly. You already have all this stress coming into you, right? From emails, uh, you know, your, your text from, from your, you know, team members from your company, uh, or, or if you work at a, you know, corporation from, you know, other peers. And so it's, 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 I'm not saying that it's toxic, but it's not productive, right? And so, so the first thing I do is not look at my phone, right? Although, hey, I'm human, right? I do it sometimes, right? But I try to be disciplined and not look at the phone right away. Maybe it takes 30 minutes before I, I look at my phone. And just with 30 minutes, things change, right? You do your routine in the morning, you meditate. Uh, if you have the time to meditate. Uh, the other thing is like, let, let's not get caught up with the idea that, you know, in order to have a perfect day, you have to meditate every day, right? I mean that's that's also kind of stressful to think about it right i mean some folks are like no you have to meditate to have a beautiful day and, and look i mean there's some folks that have gone gotten to that level where they can uh, do that but there's other folks that are trying to learn how to meditate right so for mm -hmm. those folks that are listening to to this podcast who are listening to us uh you know it's it's a it's a gradual experience right uh do it you know at, at your own pace right so waking up not looking at your phone taking a break you know meditating eating a good breakfast, exercising. Those are, you know, your typical, you know, I think uh, go-to hacks for anyone that wants to experience a productive morning, right? Uh, but it's, it's how you do it, right? That will define, you know, that unique approach to, uh, you know, finding your own hacks, right? Because do you have a particular way to meditate? What, what is your form of meditation you like? Do you use an app? Yeah, Unguided, so, so <laughs> yeah, 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 I, 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 I use uh, Headspace. Uh, yeah, Andy Pudicone. 
yeah, it, it helps me a lot, right? I mean, it really, it really guides me. Uh, again, I'm no expert at meditating, uh, but I think what one one idea that I, I wanted to explore about a year ago or two years ago was uh, leadership, you know, through mindfulness, right? Through being mindful, and you know, meditation really plays a, a big part in the, becoming a mindful leader, right? And it's not to be uh, cheesy or you know uh trying to go with the trends i think meditation has always been there for the last you know 30 30 years is until recently that we've seen uh you know younger generations you know uh, let's talk about the millennials right millennials you know looking into uh these new you know these practices that seem new to, to some other folks but the reality is that they've been there forever and mindfulness has really uh shaping a lot of uh you know perspectives on, on how to lead, you know, big teams, for example, as an entrepreneur, or how to lead, you know, uh, movements, you know, as an organization, a nonprofit, etc. or how to, you know, look inwards, right? Because what mindfulness does, right, it, it, it allows you to look inwards, and to examine your emotions, right? And like you mentioned, instead of, you know, reacting, you know, to any external force, or any situation that uh, makes you upset, you become proactive, and you understand, you know, that, you know, things, things may be somewhere, right? As they appear at that, at that exact moment, it might be an email, you know, from an ang angry client. It might be uh, that you lose, you lost a, a, a client. It might be that, you know, you, uh, a family member is sick, right? It might be that we're going through a pandemic, right? But at the end of the day is how we look inwards and examine our emotion that will reflect externally with others. Being more present with ourselves. And by being present and, with ourselves, we're able to be more exactly. present with others, even our team exactly. members, our exactly. coworkers, our family. And it, our it goes back to that. It goes back to that, right? By being mindful and, and going through those hacks that I just mentioned uh, that you asked about, you become more present, right? So yeah, that's the, that's the I think the number one hack. That's a that, great one. I meditate that, too. That I recommend. Headspace is a great app. Calm is a great app. Insight Timer yeah. is a great app. Waking Up with Sam Harris, another great app. I do oh, Unguided yeah. personally. I do Transcendental Meditation, TM. It's twice a day, 20 minutes each time. But morning, um, my girlfriend and I, we don't even sleep with the phones in the room. So our phones are left yeah, out in the yeah. kitchen. Make sure you're not sleeping with your phone in your room. It's one of the biggest mistakes I find people make because as soon as you wake up, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to grab you that phone. <laughs> And there's so many, if, yeah. this is a great point you made actually is we have even more distractions now, more external stimuli coming in now yeah. than ever before. So it's even more important to be mindful, to be present. And the way we get more present is by being more mindful. The way we become more mindful is by practicing meditation. Which by the way, I mean, Phil is talking about leaving, leaving his phone on the, in the kitchen. That's an extreme. I, I want to get to that point. I, I'm, I'm going to try that one. Too. I like that. <laughs> it's one, it's great. Just, it's, it'll it'll change your quality room, of you know? sleep too. So yeah, uh, probably, we, could, yeah. we get to probably talk. You know, one of the other things that you and your team do and, do, and I noticed this is you've even gone to play offense so much so that you've even created a support app. So Walk us through one, you know, take us back to the moment where you started out, where you're from, where you grew up, and what led you to the path you're on now, making it to the Forbes list, how the company works, and then how that led to the COVID support app. So we can get a yep. good context. Yeah, and 
Definitely, definitely. So I, I was born and raised in, in South Texas. Uh, you know, I grew up in this uh, bicultural, you know, environment where I had uh, both the, the, you know, the traditions of the American culture and the richness and culture that uh, Mexico offers merge into one vision. It was a, it was a delicious experience uh, because the food was also great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for, 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 for me, you know, growing up uh, meant in, in that environment meant that I, I, I needed to understand two cultures, right? Uh, at first it wasn't easy, uh, but, you know, growing bicultural uh, teaches you about empathy. It teaches you about other people's, you know, cultures and religions and, you know, perspectives on life. And it was a, a beautiful upbringing. And, uh, but I, it also came with its challenges, right? When I was 18, uh, and I tell this story now, very often because I need to tell the story because there, there might be other young people out there going through similar situations. And uh, it's not that I want to become an advocate necessarily for this specific issue, which I'm very passionate about, which is immigration, but I need to talk about it because I need to inspire action and let other young people know that it's going to be okay. The story is that when I was 18, I, I got a call from uh, my father telling me that he will not make it home that night or any other night but that I should believe in the American dream. I remember that so well. And, and he, he had his visa removed, which means that he was being deported uh, from the U.S. back into Mexico. Uh, I grew up in, in a, a you know, middle-income family. I had everything, you know. Uh, my parents uh, provided me with so much. But, you know, your immigration status, you know, it's not depending on how well you do as, a, as a, an entrepreneur. In this case, my, both of my parents are entrepreneurs. It, it, it depends on, you know, it's, it's defined by how you pursue and how you obey the laws of the country. And in this case, my father overstayed his visa. And so he got that removed. And so he was deported. And it was interesting because it was the first time that I saw how the law of a country, you know, uh, divided my family, which inspired me to learn more about public policy and politics, right? And, uh, and that got me really interested in political science. So Phil, right after you know, high school and when that incident happened, I decided to pursue a career in, in political science and in politics. So I got heavily involved in my community in South Texas. I started organizing communities, talking to people you know, uh, about their issues that they experience uh, on a daily basis. And those issues have span from anywhere from talking about immigration to talking about you know, infrastructure issues on the streets, everything, right? Uh, and I had a job at the Texas Capitol that led me to work in the U.S. Senate under Senator John Kerry at the time. And then I got another, you know, fellowship through the University of Texas uh, at Austin uh, called the Bill Archer Fellowship at the White House, you know, at the United States Trade Representative uh, Office. And there I learned about the many challenges that government faces when communicating, you know, with constituents. I mean, I was getting calls, Phil, uh, to fix a pothole, uh, you know, and this call, it was being, you know, it was being made to the United States trade representative, the ambassador that is in charge of, you know, trade issues around the world. That, that office has nothing to do with potholes, right? But the reality is that folks are so confused on who to call, you know, to fix an issue that they see in their community. Maybe because the ambassador at that time was Ron Kirk, right? And he was a former mayor of Dallas. 
maybe people still thought that they could call Mayor Ron Curtin. <laughs> so they were right? calling, uh, they're calling the trade representative office about a pothole <laughs> in the street. Exactly. Like, they, hey, what do we... Things of, yeah, exactly. Things of that nature, right? And also on Twitter and other mediums, you know, we're getting like really funny uh, tweets. Because there was no way for a resident to directly communicate with government in a seamless, modern, technological way. Exactly. Inspired you to launch your company. Exactly. So, so that that let me, you know, when I got back to to the U to to Austin, right? I uh, I started organizing communities again, right? And you know, in one instance, I already had that philosophy, right? That idea that you know we could do something to improve the communication between people and government by using technology. But this time around, I was, I was organizing again, communities in the east side of Austin. And I remember, you know, folks, neighbors on, in, in those communities talking about how they needed to report, you know, issues that they saw in the streets, you know, like missing lights and so on. And so I already have these ideas by working in the federal government, right, of things that I saw of that nature. And then I'm going now to you know, uh, a local environment such as organizing, you know, neighborhoods in the east side of Austin and realizing that those are the issues that people are worried about. It's about the broken window theory, right? If your community is broken, you know, the, the community members in, growing up in that environment are definitely going to be affected, not only physically, but also psychologically, right? And so I got together with my co-founders and we decided to launch City 5, now uh, Iris, right? Uh, with the whole idea that we could create some type of platform that enable communication between governments, local municipalities, and the people, the residents, right? While building community, making it engaging, right? By gamifying the experience and making it social so that other neighbors can learn about what's happening in their community. And it's fast so forward smart. today. It's so smart. I love Thank that you. idea. I mean, it, <laughs> it's like a no brainer. Like, why didn't we have this before? It's because, well, you have government officials, politicians that aren't necessarily tech savvy all the time and they're not necessarily building businesses to solve this problem, but you had the best of both worlds. You saw it from the governmental side, but you also were tech savvy enough to see it from the business side and how can we put these two together? That's right, that's that's right. And and one thing that we saw, right, was that some cities, I feel, already had some type of generic app that allowed you to report something in the community, but it was not engaging, right? It did not close the engagement loop. And that's what we wanted to do. Our philosophy, our project, our vision was that we wanted to create, uh, you know, some type of platform that allowed people to have a safe space where they can report these issues. If it, if it was either by doing it anonymously or doing, doing it, you know, through their uh, profile on the platform, right? And, uh, you know, fast forward today, we're in uh, more than 15 cities, uh, including the city of San Antonio, which is the seventh largest city in the U.S., we have over 30,000 users on the platform and they have reported over 70,000 city requests. 92% wow. of them ha- have been addressed by the city government, putting millions of taxpayer dollars into actually fixing city infrastructure issues in the city of San Antonio. I mean, things are getting fixed. Things are getting done, right? It's not and that the government didn't want to yeah. help. It's, it's that the government didn't have an easy way to communicate with the residents. They have phone calls coming in, emails coming in. Now you've created a way that it's seamless. It's easy for the resident, easy for politicians and government to address the issues that are being confronted, they're confronted with. Exactly. And, and it's about that, right? It's about making things simple, making things easy for people to uh, use. And, and more than anything, it's about thinking about people first, right? I think sometimes we, when, when we talk about smart cities and technology, we focus so much on, on the idea of uh, government-centric solutions, such as sensors on the streets and 
technology that, you know, it's not going to be utilized by the people. But the biggest producers of data, right, today, of information are people, not sensors, right? And so <laughs> we need to pay close attention to what people have to say about their communities, about their cities, right? About, you know, the change that they want to see. And, you know, savvy and smart politicians or, you know, uh, government employees will understand that the way to, to you know, building community and, and shaping a better government for the future is by listening to constituents and what they have to say. And today, because of COVID, for example, you know, and other, you know, challenges that we have in our current, you know, affairs, uh, you know, revolving uh, local government, things will have to become more digital. That's the reality. Bureaucracies will become more digital. And, and, and if, if, they don't, if that doesn't happen, then we're going to be you know, in, in a very challenging uh, situation for those cities that are you know, having that lag in, in becoming uh, digital. Why? Because Government. town halls are not, yeah, are, are not going to happen anytime soon. You know, all of these large gatherings are not going to happen any, anytime soon. So how can we better you know, communicate with, with constituents today? Is through digital mediums, and how can we better, you know, uh, you know, create structures that actually work? Well, it's by working with companies like Iris, right, and other companies out there that are working tirelessly in bringing that connectivity to the community, right? And when you think about connectivity, let's not forget about the digital divide. There's a lot, of, a lot of folks in many cities that don't have access to the internet and technology. So mm -hmm. that's another challenge that the government's going to face, and they have to think proactively, feel about it, right? And so it's interesting that COVID is making people, you know, wake up, you know, wake up. Yeah. And, it's going to force, and, it's forcing yeah. government to level up. It's forcing businesses right. that we're doing, anti, that we're using antiquated philosophies and, and systems to level up. That's right. And you're, That's and right. people like you are helping them level up. You're not just pointing the figure, finger and saying, you guys suck. You know, you're saying, hey, here's <laughs> an opportunity for you guys to fix this. 92% of, of, an increasing in an in amount that the government is actually addressing and fixing these issues is amazing. You're, you said you're in 15 different cities across the US, That's one of right. them being San Antonio, the second largest in the US. This is incredible. How- The seventh, the seventh, the seventh largest. Seventh yeah. largest. This is, so let's break this down because you said a lot very quickly for the audience. <laughs> so let's say someone doesn't have this in their city right now because this is genius every city should have this let's say they want to request uh your service your app it's an app right that's so, right mm -hmm. and it, what if they want to request this to be in their city how do they make that happen so the way that we are deploying our tool is that we go you know government to government and we sell them you know our, our platforms uh you know, and, and the platform, you know, it's, uh, can adapt to any type of environment, you know, from small cities to large cities. Uh, or the smallest city that we're working with is uh, about 15,000 people, right? And the largest city is, you know, close to 2 million people. So San Antonio, right? So, uh, you know, any type of city can adapt to using our tools. Uh, however, you know, since we are not launching these, you know, in such a way that anyone can just download it, you know, it has to actually be approved first by the city. Uh, the, the city needs to launch it under their own terms, you know, so it's uh, we white label the tool to the city and the city then deploys the tool. Right. And people can download it in that region, right, in that city. Uh, the next step, the next iteration so that we can, we can have some sort of request coming in from the public instead of just us going to the governments is to launch a generic tool that is going to be able to, you know, that is going to be like the Iris app. Right. They're going to be able to download any anywhere in, in the U.S. Right. 
And uh, by downloading that issue, that, that platform, you know, you can report issues and we're going to automatically uh, send uh, those issues to your council members, right? That's smart. And so by, by creating so it's kind of a pro it's a proxy to eventually getting the app up and running. That, that's right. That. It's, a, it's, it's a bottom up approach, right? We're starting with the public instead of, you know, going from the government top to down, the bottom right? up. Yeah, top down. Exactly. And, and why do we want to do that? Because we want to give, uh, you know, users, in this case, citizens, uh, a better perspective on how they can, you know, uh, stimulate and change their community by using digital mediums that communicate with governments, right? And so that's going to be the next iteration. We're expecting that to come uh, roll out after the summer. Uh, and it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how uh, the public is going to react and how, you know, governments will benefit from that. That's amazing. And I can't wait for it to come to Tampa, Florida. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Do you guys, maybe you already have this on your website, a place where a waiting list like hey if you want this in your city let us know and just have a like a landing page like for us our our ed tech company that's exactly why we moved you know some people don't have smartphones they have feature phones and non-smartphones so that's why we use text messages rather than apps so maybe we should even talk about that how we might be able to serve you and your your team with the text message platform but outside Definitely. of that See, see, you see how business is happening in this podcast? Business is happening. Everybody, Boom. It's happening. <laughs> Connections, relationships. I love it. I love it. But we have like this place where if, it's, if we're not in your country yet, you can request it. And we now have all the data of the most commonly requested countries and cities. Maybe that's right. something that, to add if you don't already have it. It's just an idea. But well, we, um, we need we need we need to talk uh, offline about it. You know, yeah, we, I'm I think happy we to can help. definitely collaborate. Yeah, I'm curious, and I'm sure the audience is listening uh, is curious about this too. What's the most often requested service from the government? Is it a pothole in the street? Is it a traffic lights not working? What's the most from your data? I mean, now you have thirty thousand users. That's a lot of data. Yeah. What's the most commonly requested? <laughs> assistance <laughs> so you'll be surprised but uh i mean it depends by region right uh, of the city downtown has different issues than the west side of san antonio or the north side of, of san antonio the most uh, common issues are street repairs right like you mentioned you know potholes you know broken sidewalks anything that is streets repair related uh however you know in downtown san antonio the biggest issue that is being re requested uh, are scooters. So scooters are being, scooters. yeah, yeah. Cause they block a lot of the ADA, you know, complying, you know, sidewalks or they are blocking, you know, uh, entry points for, you know, uh, loading docks or they are, you know, thrown into the river or they are blocking the streets. Uh, so we've seen a lot of reports, a lot of requests coming for, uh, scooters. Wow. And what we do is do we send, you know, we gather all this information, and through an API, right, an open API, we, we send this information directly to uh, the scooter companies like, uh, you know, Lion uh, Scooters, uh, Bird Scooters. So we're collaborating with them uh, so that they can know, you know, where their scooters That's are. That's smart. They, they yeah, just did that. Tampa, yeah. Tampa just recently had that. Um, sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say that that just happened yeah, yeah. with Tampa. And so what they started doing was creating these painted rectangles where now they, those are where the scooters have to be parked <laughs> and the scooter companies even now created slow zones so it's like if you start going in an area you're not supposed to go into it will slow your scooter down and start beeping to let you know hey you're in a no ride zone or you're in a slow zone 
So it sounds like that's helping the companies adapt and pivot. So instead of, it's not all or nothing, it's not binary. Like you either have scooters or you don't have scooters. It's like, Hey, let's meet somewhere in the middle. That's right. That's right. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting to see how each part of the city, you know, reacts different to, to the reports, for example, on the West side of San Antonio, uh, stray animals is a big issue, right? A lot of, and and this wasn't a, a public policy concern until our platform was launched, but, you know, the reality is that a lot of people fight uh, these pit bulls, right, in, in the west side of San Antonio, and then they let the dogs out and, and they're, you know, roaming the streets and some of them are aggressive, some of, some of them are not. But either way, uh, now they start reporting those uh, animals, you know, via our platform uh, through an anonymous, you know, uh, request. And, uh, and it has become a, a public policy concern. So as you can see, there's different challenges that each city faces and uh, our platform, what it does, it, it, it identifies them. Makes yeah. it easy. What is it, is it like a one click of a button? I mean, how does someone go on? Do they, they, they see like a category of issues they can report and, and yeah, just click it's, 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 it's very simple, right? Uh, you open the app and uh, you, you click on make a request. You have a list of categories. You select that category. If it's streets traffic, you select that category. Then it has a subcategory, right? You select the subcategory if it's a platform, right? It's a bigger than three by three, yes. Then you geolocate it, you take a photo and you submit. It takes wow. you less than 20 seconds to do all of that. And, the, yeah. and it goes right to government, they get notified. It goes right directly to the city government and uh, we're automating the process by introducing AI so that also in the back end, the issue is identified and delegated to the right department. So we're building this entire suite of uh, products so that, you know, at the end of the day, the government, you know, becomes more responsive and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money to, uh, you know, become digital, a digital government, right? That's the other advantage that we have to, right? That we are not selling licenses that are, you know, multi-million dollar licenses. Actually, we are a license that is affordable, that is that you can afford, right? As a, as a, as a government entity, it's, even if you're a small or medium-sized city. And with the whole purpose of you know bringing these these uh, bureaucracies in, into a more digital environment. So it's very interesting to see how you know small cities and medium-sized cities are also uh, looking forward to adopting this type of. Uh, and the best the best part is is citizens are seeing where their tax dollars are going exactly that's right that's there's right. more transparency <laughs> and they're saying hey now i know why we pay government they're actually doing the things that we asked them to do it wasn't that they didn't want exactly. to it was just it wasn't easy it was antiquated exactly. and now beto is coming in with his team formerly known as city flag but now called iris i love it that's and right. they even created a support app for covid which has that's a right. self-screening tool it has a, a mm-hmm. price gouging reporting tool, and you can even report right. social gatherings, which I think is amazing <laughs> because one of my coaching clients is in Korea right now, and they have a self-screening tool. As soon as they land in the airport, they have to self-screen for 14 days, and you're now offering this for Americans, a self-screening tool. You can report companies that are price gouging you and also That's right. large so- social gatherings. That's right, and also a resources page. So. Uh, that's right. So we, this product is free, right? And the data, like the dashboard, uh, can be u- utilized by uh, city governments for free as well. Uh, we, we started this uh, as a result of, of our frustration with, with everything that it was happening with, with COVID, right? As I mentioned, you know, instead of channeling the, you know, that anger, that uncertainty that I felt when, you know, COVID started, uh, my team and I decided to build something, right? 
to uh, not let this opportunity pass by without being able to do something, you know, with our, with our technology that could have an impact with our clients, right? And so we decided to build this platform that today is being utilized all around the world, not, not only in the US, I mean, people in London, people in, in, in Italy, people in Spain, in Mexico, in South America, everywhere. They're, use, they're, they're using this platform everywhere, right? And so what it does, can, it, it allows- Anyone yeah. in the world can use this platform right now. Anyone, anyone. So, so if, and if you're a government, right, or if you're listening to this podcast and you know of any uh, city government that needs that data or that type of information, let us know, right? We'll contact them. Uh, and this platform is completely free, right? And the data is owned, you know, by the cities and municipalities with the whole purpose and, and, and intention of uh, building, you know, a smart community so that they can respond, respond accordingly to the crisis, right? But it allows you to, uh, you know, to do a self-screening, to uh, report price gouging, which is a big issue in many com- communities, especially with the PPE products, right? Uh, and also the reporting of large gatherings. That one is going to probably be removed as, you know, more uh, countries open back to business, right? So we're going to probably remove that option. But at the time when, when this was going on and, and people were disobeying the law, it was a very extreme, extremely important, uh, you know, function of the app. And then we have the resources. The resources allows people to learn more about, you know, uh, opportunities uh, of information around the, the theme of mental health uh, financing, uh, you know, uh, the, the health options in, in their communities. And all of this allows the city government to also be proactively in addressing the Beto, please share with the audience where they go to find this specific uh, app. Yeah, so it's very simple, right? So you go to COVID, so C-O-B-I-D-19.heyiris.com. Hey Iris is spelled H-E-Y-I-R-Y-S. So it's iris with a Y, right? Dot com. So COVID19.heyiris.com. Very simple, right? And, uh, you know, you can access uh, all the information that you need uh, from directly from that portal. So uh, Amazing. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a quite a quite an interesting tool. Uh, we see a lot of it. It's, it's being used everywhere. That's so cool. And then where do listeners go to connect? Or if you're a city government listening, municipality, for just the regular version of Iris? Heyiris.com. So H-E-Y-I-R-Y-S.com. And uh, drop me a note. Say, if you said if you say that you uh, you know if you're a city government, you know, and and you heard this uh, podcast, or you know of anyone that is gonna be, that works in government, recommend them. You know, say that you heard us through uh, Phil's podcast, and uh, we'll give you a one month uh, free pilot for your community uh, to use the platform. Wow. And so, yeah, 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 we're doing that. Thank you. That's that, very we're generous. With a lot of city government. No, I mean, that's the idea, right? I mean, we, we want to come into working with cities around the world, but the best way to come into working with cities around the world is by coming in by understanding the communities, right? That lives there, right? And so if you have people that are listening to this podcast around the world and they have an idea of, on how to introduce Iris to their community, let us know. I mean, we can work uh, with something that can be attractive to the municipality and that we can launch to, to be more proactive in building communities. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. And we're going to transition now into something I like to call the under 30 seconds round. All right. <laughs> I'm going to fire off a few questions and answer them with the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Sounds good. 
Uh, this is this is interesting. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number one. What is the book you've gifted more often than any other book, and why? Uh, New Localism by Bruce Katz. Uh, it talks about how uh, you know cities are becoming powerhouses in this economy, and it's important to think locally, not just globally. Love it. And number two, what's one of the best and one of the worst investments? you've ever made and why? The best investment. So I will say that, you know, of course, my investment in, in time and effort, right? Uh, in, in sweat equity in my company, that's been the best investment that I've done uh, to any entrepreneur out there that is uh, willing to take that leap of faith, that risk in starting their own companies. You're gonna invest all of your time and all of your time also is money, right? So think about it, but do it because it's going to be the most rewarding experience and you know phil and all of his guests will uh, you know attest to that uh the worst ex the worst investment i would say um uh, that's a tricky one but maybe uh you, you there's so many <laughs> there's so many bad investments that i made but i mean uh, something that like time like time wise you know i think uh traveling to unnecessary conferences uh, that have just taken my time, right? So if you're an entrepreneur and are looking to grow, right, and meet people, I'm not saying that don't travel to conferences. Do it. It's very important. I mean, I've met a lot of people through those, you know, environments, but they require a lot of financing, right? A lot of investment from your pocket, and sometimes they don't give you the results. So do your diligence, right? Because I've had some really bad investments in, in conferences that I've attended because I didn't do enough uh, diligence. Yeah, that, that's actually a great point. One of the things that I had my team member do before I go to conferences is they make a list of who's gonna be there, who are the speakers, and then we weight them with different weights to know who is the most relevant to us, which sessions are the most relevant to us so we can make the most of our time there or else you'll spend, you'll pull your hair out trying to think of which session should I be at? Who do I need to talk to? And then at the end of the day, you spend all this money, all this time, you traveled and that's the opportunity cost of the time wasted exactly. from what you could have been doing in your business. Except, the, exactly. you know, the Forbes conference, though. Now, that one is a must right, I, mean, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, it's probably one of my favorite. And, and the people that go and, you know, it's, it's, it's so much fun. I think that's one of my, my favorite conferences. You're around sure. the best but, yeah. in the world. That's my absolute favorite, especially the foreign ones, the international ones. I oh, mean, those are the best. <laughs> Amsterdam, Israel, Berlin, Germany. Yeah. We missed you in Berlin, but the, they have been I know, I know. accountable. So they I'm looking great. forward to the next one. All right, number three. Me too. <laughs> What's the most impactful thing you do in your morning routine and the most impactful thing you do in your evening routine? So uh, staying away from my phone for at least 30 minutes when I wake up, exercising, meditating, getting a healthy, balanced breakfast. Uh, I think that's my routine. And then in the evenings, you know, I try to, sometimes I work late hours and that affects my sleep, by the way. Uh, so if I stay up late, you know, focusing too much on work, sometimes I'm going to go to sleep later and that affects my entire circadian rhythm. So I try to avoid it. So I try to wind down around 8 or 9 p.m. if I'm working, right? Uh, you know, I, I, you know, like to, you know, relax, read a book, you know, and, and refresh and spend some time with my wife and, and just, you know, relax. Because if you don't relax, if you don't take care of yourself, nobody's going to take care of you, right? 
you gotta be, you gotta pamper yourself as well, right? You gotta take uh, that long bath. You gotta, you know, make go go get massages. I mean, you have to take care of yourself and pamper yourself. It's so important. It's good for your physical health and your mental health. If you don't do it, nobody else is gonna do it for you. And when you take care of yourself, you're better at taking care of other people. Cause when your cup's full, you're able to fill up other people. It's like the old adage of the airplane. You put on your own oxygen mask first before you put someone else's on. Definitely. And, and light a candle, you know, right before you go to sleep. So you like, you know, catering to all five senses. He's like, turn the lights down, <laughs> get the bath going, you know, get the hey, candle lit. This sounds like a romantic evening with just, you know, you and your wife. <laughs> Well, you have to you have to learn how to relax, man. It's it's tough. I think people like us uh, that are on the go sometimes uh, don't know how to relax, right? And so you have to teach yourself, or or you have to tell yourself that it's okay. It's okay to wind down. Period is 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 fantastic, and your morning routine is only as good as your evening routine. So if you don't unplug and unwind, you won't get to sleep on time, which means you won't wake up on time. Number four, That's pretend right. you won the Peter Thiel fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business instead of go to college. Where would you start? What's the very first thing you would do in starting a business? It depends. So if, if you are building a technology company, it, you got to look to, uh, you know, your, your network, your peers. Uh, if you are, if you have a technology background, you know, if you know how to code, then you start looking for someone that you know can help you on the business side or on the marketing side if you don't have the, the skills to build a technology company you build for folk you look for folks that you know have those technology and coding abilities right and you surround yourself with, with those those folks that can help you grow in that technology environment right uh in the, and, and in my case what i would do is is look closely at the trends right i think in every every era there's a there's a trend right now we're going through covid and just like covid you know when we went through the recession in 2008 uh many companies came out of that right that it came out really successful uh as really successful ventures you know such as airbnb you know you had uber you had a lot of companies that were utilized by millennials because they was the, they were the most affordable and they were different right it's maybe it's not the same case right now for for companies like airbnbs etc but uh, there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of companies that will come out of this experience that we're going through right now. And so if I was starting a company, I would look at those trends and see uh, how I can adapt and what I can build so that I can uh, be successful in this new environment. And specifically, what I will do is uh, travel to universities where you know, that focus area is being uh, researched or explored, uh, meet with the leaders in those communities, uh, and, and start formulating uh, a plan of action and start, you know, teaming up with the right people. That's what I would do. That's actually a great point. Cause even if you're not going to go to college or you're not in college, you can still communicate with the local colleges. You can, of course, that's the, that's the idea. And, and they're doing a lot of research. Maybe they don't put that research into practice and that's where you come in. Uh, entrepreneurs are practical, right? Uh, entrepreneurs are the are the doers, right? So you come in with that perspective of wanting to create, of wanting to do, and the researchers will offer you, you know, their data and information, you know, in exchange of of, of looking, you know, to to see how their their ideas can transcend from being just on a research paper. So, uh, yeah, so it's interesting, right, that you ask, right? Instead of skip, skipping school, I mentioned go back to school, but you know, with the idea of collaborating with folks that are yes. in the university. 
Last one. What's something you never knew you needed? Okay, that's a good one. Uh, and, and the answer is going to be so simple, but I recently, I was on Amazon and I bought all these like head massage <laughs> tools. <laughs> so it's like, so I'm like massaging myself all the time, right? Uh, you know, so I think uh, massage tools, I didn't know that I, I needed them and they're so much fun. Uh, that's the very simple, simple, straight answer. Uh, the other thing that I didn't know I needed, uh, you know, before, uh, you know, traveling and, and meeting people was, was, you know, it was that I, I before I, I, I got into this world of traveling, just like you feel, right, that, you know, we travel a lot, you know, I didn't know that travel was so essential to your growth, right? Uh, the more you travel, the more you get to learn about cultures. And so I think that's the, the one number one thing that I needed that I didn't know at the time that was going to be so impactful, travel. So ever since, you know, I turned, you know, 23, I have traveled nonstop. And before that, I didn't know that travel was so essential to your growth. And so I recommend it to anyone that is, you know, listening to us in this podcast. If you have ambitions to travel, uh, do it. It's going to help you so much. I know, I know that we're in different environments right now, the whole uh, COVID situation. But when things get better, please go out there and experience the world. And if not, do it domestically. Get to know your country. Beto, that's perfect advice. And thank you so much for being here today. Before you go, what's the next big goal, milestone, or bucket list item you want to achieve? Definitely. So as I mentioned, we are going through a transformation in my company, you know, from becoming, uh, you know, Iris, you know, being formerly known as City Flag. Uh, the whole idea of Iris is that, you know, Iris is the part of your eye that allows you to see color and structure, which it's your surrounding, uh, but it's also the name of your neighbor, right? And so the whole idea is about community building. Mm -hmm. So the next big thing for Iris is to step into different communities. Uh, one project that we have that we're working on and that we're very excited about is working with the U.S. Air Force. We just started working in military bases, and that's going to be uh, really interesting. Uh, we also started working with design and consultancy companies uh, to better understand uh, development and construction uh, processes in big cities. And of course, with cities. So uh, we have so many goals uh, lined up for us for Iris. So I think that the, the next big thing is to see how we grow within this new environment, such as the military community, the private sector, and of course, continuing continuing to grow in the public sector with the city governments that we already have. Personally, for me, is to uh, continue to learn to build a company and to continue to learn to become a better CEO and leader of my company. It's a learning process. It's a continuous exercise that never ends, just like community building. So as I do that inwards in my company, I want to reflect it externally with my community here in San Antonio. So I want to continue to nurture the community that I live in. And one thing that I, I wanted to mention, right, uh, because we see it today with so many folks that had this lifestyle of traveling, you know, they might feel uh, frustrated, but you know, my advice is for those people that are used to traveling so much to start looking inwards, right, into their domain, their their cities. There's so much that you can build locally and that you can you can explore locally. So uh, that I think that's the next big thing for me to see how I can have an impact immediately in my community. I love it. I, and by the way, speaking of Air Force, Air Force, uh, McDill Air Force Base is right here in Tampa. 
So if you That's need right. a contact right. there, it's the most sought after military base in the world for the U.S. military because right. they have two beaches, two golf courses. I mean, there's more four-star generals that live there than anywhere in the world. So, wow. and it's wow. right down yeah, the street. Yeah, yeah. So when you want to bring yeah, it in yeah, here, yeah. you know, I keep telling you to come over to Tampa. So this might be a reason for you to make a visit. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, I think uh, working with the military is going to be a lot of fun. We just got a contract with JBSA, which is Joint Base San Antonio. It's the largest U.S. Air Force base. And so if we do a good job there with the platform that we're introducing, which is the same community building platform that is being used in cities, but now it's going to be for military bases, uh, we're definitely going to make our way to uh, Tampa and Florida. And uh, I can't wait to to visit you. It's, it's, it's such a like fun state. I mean, every time that I'm there, I just it's, I have so much fun. You have the beach. The people, the food is great. Uh, oh my god, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> and a big Latin Latin culture here too, with the Cuban oh, population here. And, but um, I'm actually this made me think of it. Before you go, I, I mean, I love talking to you. I could talk to you for hours, yeah. Beto. If someone's listening right now and they're trying to get their business into government or military, what advice would you give them trying to enter this industry? So it's, it's not an easy industry. That's the reality, right? Uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that, you know, have a scaled their business that's a lot faster by working with the private sector than just the public sector. But think about the lasting impact that you're going to make. Uh, think of yourself as a social entrepreneur because anyone that is working uh, for the public sector uh, or introducing solutions to the challenges that the public sector is facing is a social entrepreneur. So you're going to have the reward of uh, going in and making lasting impact and people you know will benefit from your technological or any type of service or solution that you offer right uh and be patient right and remember that you know working with government requires a, a, a political savviness right in understanding how to maneuver or navigate you know the way that government works but you know, the results will be there. Meaning that, you know, once you start working with government, you'll realize that uh, these government contracts are sticky and you can stay there, you know, for a while. You can work with them for a while. They want to work with partners that will enable them to grow, right? And vice versa, you want to work with partners that will enable you to experiment with tools that can have a better impact in your community. So be patient, understand, you know, how to navigate the government waters. Uh, and number three, know that you are a social entrepreneur and that your impact is not only to benefit financially, but also you can have a lasting social impact that is going to benefit, you know, your spirit as a whole, as a leader. And it will make your local mayor look good. So thinking about of that, like, how, how will this make their reelection look? So if you can make them look exactly. good, it sounds like you can paint a nice picture for them. And where do listeners go to connect with you directly? Yeah, so they can follow me on Twitter or Instagram uh, at Beto Altamirano. So B-E-T-O-A-L-T-A-M-I-R-A-N-O. I'm very active on social media. So if you follow me, you know, give me, a, send me a nudge. Tell me that, you know, you heard me on, on Phil's podcast. I'll follow you back and can't wait to, uh, you know, learn about what everybody is doing that is listening to his Thank podcast. Thank you, Beto. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. We learned so much. We learned how to be savvy with the government, how to get your product or service in the doors. We learned how to communicate with your government. We also learned how to pamper yourself. Take care of yourself, <laughs> people. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day, and thank you so much, Beto. Thank you. Thank you, Phil, and thank you for everyone who was listening to the podcast. Have a great day. 
Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.